Welcome to the Metal Hammer podcast, episode 118. Hello, everybody. I am Mo from Metal Hammer, and I'm here with L from Metal Hammer, and I'm here with Stephen Hill, sometimes from Metal Hammer, sometimes from Riot Act. Always nice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. How are you both? Um, always nice, mate. Always nice. So you said it yourself. You guys were properly, I got, I actually panicked then because I realised they were both waiting for me to finish. I can see them on the Zoom just like looking at me like seeing where I'm going to go with this. So cheers. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us, both of you. Right. Um, we did take a week off last week, of course. That was because, um, well, we decided it was, it didn't quite feel right with everything that was going on in the States at the time uh, with regards to the Black Lives Matter movement and all the... Uh, just insane scenes that were coming out of there. It just felt a bit weird to then be sitting on a podcast and going, oh, it's a new Elstorm album out. Um, but, you know, the fact is, of course, that this isn't, this isn't a temporary thing. This is part of a movement that is ongoing. Uh, and um, for those that haven't seen uh, the thing that we posted across all the louder websites about the Pause the Show initiative and Blackout Tuesday and all the rest of it, um, you know, we've had a lot of conversations at Metal Hammer about what we can all do better and... Uh, how the scene can kind of, uh, how the metal scene can do better as well. Um, and I think one of the interesting things that I've read from a lot of different people in the metal scene this week is this rhetoric of like, oh, you know, the metal scene doesn't judge people by their color. And, you know, if you fall down in the pit, we pick each other up. And I've seen that exact line used about 20 times, it seems like, uh, over the past couple of weeks. Um, but I think there is a lot more that we can do better in the metal scene when it comes to recognizing racism and challenging racism and, representing people better um and if people aren't really sure about that or they want maybe a more insightful thing on that than i can provide uh, i would highly recommend people go over to the metal hammer website to read uh, the excellent lena Dawes piece on um her experiences about racism in the metal scene and and how we can kind of do better to challenge that uh so yeah it's something we're we're moving forwards with and um you know i think we could all do better and uh that is that is what we should do, I think. I, I actually interviewed Layla um, about, what was it now, six years ago? Uh, yeah, that's what I said. Uh, about six years ago um, when her book came out and I interviewed her for the magazine at the time. I remember, yeah. She's a really, really interesting person, like super passionate about the music, like unwilling to, I mean, that thing you said about, oh, if people fall over in the pit, then we pick them up. I mean, if your kind of baseline for <laughs> being a good person is if you see somebody getting trampled on by 30 people, you, <laughs> like, it's not really, you know, when people go like, oh, it's the least I can do. I mean, that literally is the least. <laughs> I mean, metal, metal would have some next level problems if our philosophy was, if you see someone down in the pit, kick them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but she's really, really like super passionate. She's been around some massive, brilliant bands. And um, yeah, I, I, I love talking to her. I thought she was fucking excellent. And that piece is, is fucking excellent as well. Yeah, definitely. Really and and uh, I mean, you know, we posted it up on Facebook last week, uh, this week, sorry, went up um, earlier this week. And, you know, I guess it's the sad reality of Facebook and social media that you do kind of get some you know, dissenting voices and people that they cause trouble. But I also saw a lot of interesting discussion about it and some quite healthy debate about it as well. So, you know, there's a lot, lot of conversation to be had for sure. Um, and, you know, it doesn't stop here. Those will be ongoing as, uh, as the metal scene works out what we can do to help and do a bit better. Um, I mean, 
that all said, there's a lot of stuff going on this week. We're going to talk about downloads coming up. Uh, download TV is on this weekend, of course. It should have been downloads this weekend. Obviously, the only thing that has actually turned up is the weather because it is fucking miserable outside. <laughs> um, can't say I'm too surprised about that. Um, have any of you seen the, uh, the Bill and Ted Face the Music trailer? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I saw it, yeah. I was pretty excited by it. And then I saw it and I did just at the end go, oh, wow, uh, look, probably won't be very good. But <laughs> <laughs> like, they look well too old to still be going, well, oh, dude, you know what I mean? It just looks really weird. I just was, I, I, I wondered if they would have moved the characters along at all. And it, I was sort of hoping they would have done that. But then it wouldn't really make it a Bill and Ted film. And it's really, it's quite weird. It's part of the joke, isn't it? That they're still old and... Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, they've got the thing about them playing the open mic night, right? So it's like they're literally the same people, but like 20 years or whatever have passed. And it's like, what have you been doing for the last 20 years? Because I had the same thing when they opened their mouths and started talking. I was like, this is weird. But then they caricatures, aren't they? So you mm. have to like, just, just go, just go with it. It's fun. Yeah, totally. It would have been interesting if they'd done something like, you know, they're both like bankers or something. <laughs> like, yeah. They just completely changed. It's William and Theodore, and that's like the character. It's a financial crisis, but somehow profiting. Yeah. That's the film they should have made. That's what, what, what were Bill and Ted doing during the recession? <laughs> that's the film. <laughs> I- <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> David Fincher directing it. Um, yeah, that, <laughs> that would work really well. Yeah, I, I would, I mean, I would watch that. But yeah, I think it looks pretty, like, the thing is, it's one of those things where you go, I don't really care what it looks like in a trailer. I'm still definitely going to watch it because those, those films were so great when I was a kid. Yeah. Soundtrack wise, just everything about it. If you were like even vaguely interested in rock music, it just felt really, really exciting to see like, you know, a film about two stoner rock dudes. And, um, but I still, it, it will probably be crap to be honest, but hey, hey. You know? I don't know. I've got a good first time though. Like objectively crap, but it's just a bit of fun, isn't it? I don't think I actually watched it till I was like 20. I watched it like one day with my dad, like, way after it came out are um, they crap are they crap because i only remember them being really good it's funny it's a funny film it's like I, it's objectively quite rubbish but it's funny oh i don't know if i'd say it's objectively rubbish i think that's a bit far the thing with well, films like that is... rubbish like it's not enjoyable because i think it's really good it's really funny but it's not like you don't go there <laughs> looking for like a complex story and do you think there are many people who just aren't into any aspect of rock and metal culture at all who genuinely love those films? Because I think maybe, I guess it's kind of what maybe I was saying, but they're so made by and for people in a certain demographic and everything around it really is kind of based on that. Unless you just, I mean, you're just particularly mad on time travel films or something, but it's just, it's all so kind of wrapped in this like, yeah, kind of thing. That if you don't have a natural affinity for a bit of that, you might just be a bit like, what is this? Yeah, I think people like who don't like met rock and metal like Wayne's World. I think Bill and Ted are probably the same. I think maybe it's a bit of like, I watched Airheads a couple of like months ago and um, and that hasn't aged great, but just going like, oh, it's got a Fugazi sticker on his van was enough to make me go like, <laughs> what a great film. What a great film. He had a Fugazi sticker on his van. Then the, <laughs> give it an Oscar. Like, do you know what I mean? That was sort of enough for me. But, yeah. Fair. 
Well, you can see the trailer uh, on YouTube and uh, I'm sure we'll be doing lots of that, um, lots on that film in the months ahead as well. We did, of course, have uh, an interview with the actor who plays Bill, whose name I've forgotten, which is Alex awful. Winter. Alex Winter. Thank God for that. Thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, we did an interview with him as part of our 80s issue, which is really cool. Uh, so we are, I'm sure this won't be the last time we talk about Bill and or Ted on the I map. think it's going to be really fun. I think it's going to be, I like the trailer. I liked, it looked low budget, but not in like a, I don't mean that in a negative way. It looked like it was kind of a quite 80s tinged, fun, dorky sci-fi movie. Um, I don't even know if it counts. I mean, it is sci-fi, but it's not really sci-fi, is it? Yeah, but it, that's the thing. It looks like the old ones, right? It looks like yeah. barely any time has passed. I like the beats of it as well. I did quite like the thing that they are just a couple of losers and they were supposed to like change the world and they haven't. They've just been crap. And it looks like they got death back as well with the original actor. So yeah, that is vital. Um, I hope they kind of um, they kind of address George Carlin not being in it as well because he was such a big part of the originals and mm. um, Rufus was such a big character as well. But we shall see. Um, I guess the big thing happening in rock and metal this week is that it, it was supposed to be download weekend. But as far as I'm concerned, it's still download weekend because download TV is a thing. Uh, download are going to be putting out a load of fun stuff across the weekend coming over on YouTube and um, there's going to be bands creating some new stuff for it I think um, some Q&A's and interviews and other bits and bobs there's going to be some kind of uh, I think maybe some documentary type things as well or something like that um, there's some I think there's doom yoga or something like that some kind of yoga things happening uh, so there's loads of fun stuff going on and then of course into the evenings there's going to be um, uh, hours of highlights from download years gone by. Uh, the official blurb says, on the Friday night, Kiss will take centre stage with a replay of the best moments from their 2015 headline set, while on Saturday, Iron Maiden will provide nostalgic performances, Legacy of the Beast snippets, and something special just for download TV. Interesting, what will that be? Uh, on Sunday night, the attention will switch to System of a Down, with Download TV taking fans on a trip exploring the band's history at the festival, featuring performances from 2005 2011 and 2017 uh, and there's gonna be stuff from deftones baby metal frank Carter and the rattlesnakes creeper offspring blues pills all bridge pretty reckless funeral for a friend Volbeat, darkness bowling for soup i'm gonna add kill switch engage because i remember that they were on there and i'm hoping they're gonna play something from some of the jesse sets because they've all been great um that's just me uh, making stuff up though uh, <laughs> so yeah loads of good stuff you're gonna tune in i'm tuning in i'm gonna tune yeah, in man. and excitingly the weather in doddington is like around 20, 21 degrees, lots of rain, some sun, sort of sticky, hot, rainy weather. But in London, where I'm going to be on Saturday, it's 24 degrees and no rain. Really? So, yeah. So I could sit in my garden with my laptop and have a lovely time. That is some bullshit. I'm only, I am only live 25 miles away from you and it's going to be rainy and about five degrees colder here. <laughs> I don't know what the weather's going to be like um, for me, and I don't care because I'm going to stay indoors. And I was just talking <laughs> about it anyway, wouldn't I? Let's be honest. Yeah, that is yeah. one of the main things of, that uh, I feel both of you will miss about this year is not is the Thursday at download or Friday morning at download listening to me grumbling about the weather, which we. I mean, to be fair, I've only done it for the last 11 years. So. <laughs> I, think, I think in 2017, when it was that really rainy one, was it that year? You turned to me and you said, I'm literally never going again. Show me a picture of what I look like now. If I ever say I'm going to go again, this is never happening again. I'm never going. And I'm like, 
Steve, you are. went again twice. Shut up. I was like, stop depressing me. Stop ruining my joy. <laughs> Steve's going to tune on YouTube, put it on his TV, and then stand with his back to the TV, pour water over his head, and just moan about it. <laughs> I mean, that does sound better than kissing 2015, to be fair. So. <laughs> oh, I don't think I watched them in 2015. Were they not good? No, not no. really. No. It was a year where I had a car accident and Kiss were like the, one of the only bands that I saw before I had to like go home from the car accident and the set was terrible. Kiss were a fucking car accident. I can't remember what year. It was about 10 years ago that was. That was, you're thinking of 2008 and I would argue Kiss were fucking great that year. I had a no. great time. No. No I mean, way. But I will say this, I'd never seen them before and I didn't go to watch it as a Kiss fan. They just looked like they didn't have any energy and couldn't really perform very well. I don't remember that. At all. I mean, maybe maybe I was just swept away with it because that, that was the first time I'd ever seen Kiss, to be fair. But if you're talking about the set, I am. It was the same year The Offspring and Lost Profits headlined. I don't know because I had to go home because I was in a car crash. All right, fair enough. Good point. The, yeah, not the most vintage year, but um, but that's right. the one where they rearranged the site to have a different configuration. I remember that much. Yeah, and loads of it was on concrete and stuff. Yeah, and blah, yeah. blah blah blah. Yeah, um, yeah they've definitely. I think they've got a much better setup these days. But um, I thought Kiss were great that year because yeah, Judas Priest played, and I think Judas Priest got to play a longer set because Kid Rock cancelled. Is that right? That's correct. It's Motorhead. I think got a longer set actually. But Motorhead. Okay, so yeah, there was Motorhead, there was Judas Priest, and then there was Kiss. I had a great time that day, man. Great Guess time. why I was in a car accident? Why? Because it rained. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know what's funny though is like, like last year, I mean, I, I got I've been really festivaled out over the last few years, and I really felt the fatigue of you know going to Bloodstock and Download and Slam Dunk and Two Thousand Trees and Arc Tangent and all the stuff like I don't want to sound like oh why was me, but I was like oh man, I think I just have become really fatigued with festivals and I kind of teased at the start of the year I was like I don't think I'm going to go to any festivals this year so it's your fault so yeah. I'm getting my year off without missing anything because like this weekend if I hadn't gone to download I would have had I would have been like oh man what about Gajira and blah 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 but mm. you know so it's worked out rather well for me you know? yeah so hopefully oh. that makes everyone feel better <laughs> I'm looking forward to sitting in the garden and seeing stuff from like Death Chains Baby Metal it's going to be good no, I'm, I'm I'm genuinely really looking forward to this, and I'm glad that Fest. I know Glastonbury are doing something um, similar later in the month. I'm really glad festivals are doing this because, um, God, it's so vitally important at the moment that that we can just try and take some opportunities to like feel like we're all doing something together. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm re- that is the main thing I think a lot of us are missing right now. It's just you, you you can't get that vibe that you're actually hanging out and all enjoying the same stuff, especially with music. So the idea that me and lots of friends and peers and other download goers and stuff will all be sat there watching the same thing I'm watching with some beers and stuff. I think that's going to be really good fun. So I'm looking forward to it. Hopefully there's a way to chat as well, because it's been really nice with some of the live shows and live streams that bands have done to be able to like put stuff in the chat box. I know like download's got a really active Facebook group that I've seen people posting it into the run up like this week, everyone's posting their memories and stuff. And like you said, it's a really nice way for people to, just for everyone to talk to each other and as all to like connect and stuff and definitely have a bit of a break yeah. as well. We can know? hang out, lads. I yeah, think we're, we're gonna do it. Me and you, Mel, I thought we'd already decided we were gonna do a little zoom and then get it on the big telly and, yeah. and over there. All oh, right, you two decided, did you? Well, well yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, 
Me and Steve voice note each other about 80 times a day, all right? We haven't got around to extending the wider invite yet. But yes, let's all watch download. Let's watch download. Let's watch download. It will be good. I'm not watching it with a moaner. Oh, well, you changed your tune quick. <laughs> I think that's directed at me, actually. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, I know. I know. That's fine. That's fine. You probably would. I wouldn't want to ruin Kiss again for you, Eleanor. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, let's just talk download in general then people really yeah. missing it this year and it's such an important um, such an important festival for everybody uh, it is the biggest rock festival in the UK isn't it there's just no doubt about it I mean what's your favourite ever download that you've ever been to ever 2009 yeah I feel like anyone that went to 2009 just picks 2009 uh, I mean it was like it was actually my first download as well I hadn't been to a festival for about six years Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. Because of various things going on in my life and, you know, whatever. And I, I hadn't been to festival for ages and ages and ages. And every year I would see the download lineup and I'd go, oh man, I want to go to that. Look, you know, Guns N' Roses and Tool, Metallica, you know, the Sabbath year. I did look at it in 2000. I, in 2008, I was like, I'm going this year. I'm going to go. And then the lineup came out and it was Offspring, Lost Profits and Kiss. And I was like, might leave it a year. But as soon as Faith No More got announced, I was like, I have to go this year. I have to go. Um, Faith No More is still probably my favourite. Well, apart from, no, Tool last year actually is my favourite ever. I was going to say, actually, because um, one of the interesting, um, not really surprising, but quite interesting things about the uh, best ever download sets um, votes that we had on the Matt Hummer website which I believe Steve has written up a lot of the results from that you can read yeah. now, um, uh, is that that tool set, I think, made either the top five or just outside the Number top four. five. Number four. I mean, that's, that's great, isn't it? Like, it's so often easy to assume that people will just get nostalgic for the older downloads like we have. But it was cool to see that that tool set really meant so much to people. Um, yeah. But yeah, 2009 was good, <laughs> to your point. Well, the Faith No More... Corn, Limp Biscuit, Killswitch Engage, Billy oh. Talent, five band run is as good as anything I've ever seen at a festival in my life ever, I think. Um, the, I mean, Faith No More is absolutely incredible. They're like one of my favourite ever bands ever. So obviously that was brilliant. But the Limp Biscuit, I mean, we've spoken about Limp Biscuit turning back up in 2009 and it was carnage, wasn't it? Bedlam. Amazing. One of the greatest festival sets ever for me. Um, obviously, you know, Slipknot from that year is the year. It's probably the best festival set I've ever seen. Um, but I think that if... I genuinely think that if Slipknot hadn't played that year, I think everyone would be talking about Limp Bizkit today. I don't, I don't mean in the same, like, sacred tones, but in terms of, like, what was the band that year, I genuinely think it would have been Limp Bizkit because, you know what, I can't even remember Korn from that year. And that is saying something because Korn are one of the greatest live bands in metal. And I, that, I've seen them at Download so many times that I can't actually pick out that particular year for them, um, which really tells you what a lineup it was because Limp Bizkit just, just killed it. Just was so good. Came on, started with break stuff and just didn't stop. Um, and that was before they kind of were completely overloading their sets with cover songs like they do now a lot of the time. Yeah. Banger yeah, after banger after banger after banger. Corn weren't in great form around that period, to be fair, wasn't it? That was in between the Corn 3 and the self-titled one. So it wasn't like a vintage era for Corn, to be fair, although they were still pretty good. Mm. Um, and they ended with that rubbish Pink Floyd cover that they do. 
Um, in the wall. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 2009 in general, I mean, so many of those sets stick out for me. Slipknot, The Prodigy on the second stage. I oh, saw The Prodigy set was great. I saw Chris Cornell on the second stage while Marilyn Manson was doing that like really infamously bad set. Chris Cornell I played... enjoyed that. I know everyone thought it was terrible, but I was excited. The worst festival set I've ever seen. I know, but if you're excited to see a band you like, I don't know, I guess on the one hand you could be really disappointed and on the other hand you could just be happy you got to see them and I was probably in the second box. I want to know what it would take Marilyn Manson to do <laughs> for you to turn around and say that was a bad set because I've been to some of the same Manson gigs as you and I've turned around and been like, well, this bit wasn't very good. And you're like, no, it was all amazing. Like, I want to know, he'd have to like come off stage, grab you and call your mum a bell into your face or something. And maybe then you'd consider. Why would you say that? <laughs> <laughs> well, pro- I'm going to be honest, Alan, he probably wouldn't. But I'm just trying to think of ways that you would not give Marilyn Manson 10 out of 10. I mean, maybe it would have been a 10 because yeah, objectively it didn't merit a 10 but I still just enjoyed seeing an artist that I like on a stage and that's fine isn't it I'm allowed to absolutely fine and and also Pendulum were on that day as well and they were fucking great first time I think I'd seen a a um like a because I missed uh yeah because probably played that day oh I can't remember it doesn't matter that was one of the- just after so yeah I saw Pendulum and then I went up to see Chris Cornell who played in front of about a hundred people and did this incredible set like he started with something from that Scream album, which is rubbish. And I was like, oh no, this is really bad. And then he went into Spoonman and Cochise and suddenly it was like, fucking hell, this is, inc- this is amazing. He did a oh, And yeah, and then The Prodigy and then Slipknot. It was great. So, so cool. Yeah, that's definitely the best download, download for me. I mean, yeah, Slipknot, probably my favourite set. Was that your favourite download overall, as well, 2009? I think my first one was my favourite one, just because um, it was really just like super fun. It was when I, I'd been to like Leeds Festival and in that year that that festival was on, I went to Leeds, Glastonbury and Download, which was like massive to go to all these festivals because it was all still quite new for me at the time. And Download was obviously the first one and I didn't even know about Monsters of Rock. I'd never heard of it before. I don't think I even knew about that until after Download to be honest, because I was a teenager and just didn't know about that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, and I didn't like Iron Maiden because I wasn't into them. But obviously, um, yeah. Marilyn Manson, um, was he there? Oh, the first one? Yeah. Like the first one? Yeah. He was, yeah. Um, and... Was uh, he a, yeah, like Biscuit cancelled and then Zwan yeah. played. Audio Slave. So I really enjoyed Zwan and Audio Slave because um, Zwan, I just, they just released that record and I was quite into... I was getting into Smashing Pumpkins at that time, so I thought that was really cool. And then there was like, I'm sure I've said this before, there was like a massive rainstorm and everyone had to like, everyone sort of lifted up this um, like fabric that was on the floor, which was covering up the wires and like put it over their head. And then Audio Slave played and it was just like super, super dramatic. Um, Disturbed as well on that lineup. And uh, I remember camping next to these two guys who were like, they were like big, like metal guys, but they got drunk and gone and got like, um, I think it was like nose piercings or something. And they were like, oh no, what are our wives going to say about us? And my friends weren't awake and I was awake and they like made me um, like breakfast and stuff. And like, I sat around and I had a chat with them and things. And I was like, this is a cool festival. Everyone's really nice. (laughs) 
and some bands played. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Like, I just remember it being really friendly because, yeah, yeah, my memory went away. These two guys were like, they weren't being like creepy or anything. They're just camping next to us and just having a chat with them. And um, that was one of my first festival experiences still. I just had a really good time. Yeah. And it also wasn't, it was, I don't know, again, it's probably opening a big can of worms, but I just went to that as somebody who went to a festival where it's every other download festival since that I went as a journalist and especially the first couple of years it was really hard um because I was trying to like get into the industry and I found that a little bit stressful so that first one was like very pure Mm. fun whereas the next few were a little bit stressful to be honest yeah that's fair my first one was just as just not having anything to do with journalism I went to 2006 was my first one and me and three of my mates went and obviously like Reading had fairly decent um, metal and rock representation in the early 2000s, but by the kind of mid, like they had a good year in 2005 with Pearl Jam, and I was like, no, not Pearl Jam, Pixies, Maiden, Foo Fighters, Marilyn Manson. Like they had a quite good show in that year, but other than that, it was starting to drop off a lot. And getting to go to uh, a festival that was just all rock and all metal was just mental like seeing event sevenfold on the main stage totally like yeah it'd be such a big deal and then see metallica do master of puppets and yeah just the vibe around the campsite was just so different because it was all like my people you know that's the thing it's like when i went to leeds festival there'd always be bands that used to be a lot more rock and metal back then and there were a ton of bands that i loved and when i went to glastonbury um there weren't so many bands I was into and I, I really felt like the lack of rock and metal there. I was like, ah, oh, but download, you go and you just know that you're just going to love everything really. So it just, it was just always a, more fun. Yeah. yeah I think growing up, growing up in a world where there was no sort of three day metal festival in the UK for me, like, I mean, the first, probably the first time I went to a full-blown festival that was just rock bands was Ozfest 98 at Milton Keynes Bowl and I remember walking in and just being like I want to see everyone it's not like I have to go you know Cooler Shaker on in half an hour I've got to wait until they finish yeah you kind of want to see everyone so yeah going to download and being like here is something which is dedicated solely just to every kind of facet of rock and metal and I think like to be fair to download what they've done over the last few years in I mean I, I've criticised where they put bands on the main stage and second stage and how people haven't, that I think deserve it, haven't necessarily been given the leg up that they should have been getting like they were getting in the early days of the festival. Despite that, I think that that fourth stage being a metal stage and third stage being more of a kind of, you know, teen emo, pop punky stage and then and then the best of both of those things and everything else being on the main, the main and second stage together, it's starting, it gives it, you know, um, it gives it a really nice eclectic, uh, eclecticism throughout the festival. Um, and you start seeing the same people around the same stages and stuff. Like if you like Electric Wizard, you're probably going to want to stay around the fourth stage and watch obituary and do it. And that's like, gives people a place to go. I think it's actually quite a good idea, if not, delivered in the most successful way just yet i think mm. yeah but yeah i see what you mean i see what you mean it, it kind of uh helps to you know create almost like mini communities within the festival mm. over a weekend which is quite cool um 
Yeah, it's gonna be. It's weird not having download. I don't. I don't quite feel like I miss it right now. But now I can start to see like my Facebook memories and everyone else's Facebook memories popping up. It's a bit like, oh man, this is so weird that we're not doing this. Yeah, I had one this morning. I'd written something in 2017. It was a Facebook memory about watching Devon Townsend, and it was something like, "Don't believe people when they say the world is shit because the world is beautiful." And it was like the first thing I saw when I woke up this morning, and I was like. Oh, I feel a little bit emotional. He was wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, he's been proved massively wrong. <laughs> I still think he's right. That's what optimism will get you. <laughs> I still think he's right. You just have to, you know, push through the shits and see the beautiful things. Push through the shit is a good, a good uh, motto for anybody. Um, I mean, yeah, so many like download for, and I, I'll tell you what, like I've, I mean, download's always been brilliant. I've always loved going there, but the last couple actually. I've really, really enjoyed, and I don't think it's a coincidence that the weather's been better overall at those two, to be honest. But um, mm-hmm. I remember like one of my all-time favourite gun- um, download memories ever was two years ago when Guns N' Roses played. And even though that set wasn't as good as the one when they did at the London Stadium the year before, I remember being there with a friend of mine and just seeing like Axl Rose come out on stage at Donington, of all places, and just say, do you know where the fuck you are? You're a Darlington, baby. I was just like, I can't believe I can't believe I'm sitting this. I can't believe I'm still in the sunshine with a beer in my hand watching Axel Rose say that at Donington with Slash and Duff on the stage as well, you know. Um, so it's I yeah. last year was great. I really enjoyed last year. Um, Slipknot were always good. Slipknot was so good fun last year. Yeah, yeah and it was just really like getting to see um some of the new stuff and there was like a massive buzz around that and they are like the house band of Donington. That was really cool. And then seeing Tool, I'd seen that set in Berlin at the beginning of June mm. when they started the tour. So I'd already seen it, but seeing it in the open air was a really different experience. And obviously most people there were seeing it for the first time. And it was interesting. I know it was interesting crowd wise for the people who were like really into it and the people who were new to it. But just as the sun drops down and having all the lights on the stage and how, it being really different because they didn't have the screens and the close-ups and things. It was just really, that was really magical. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that is the best thing I've ever seen at a festival ever, I think, that tool set. I it was mean, really atmospheric, wasn't it? Yeah, I think you wait, so when you waited that long for that band to come back, which, you know, they're pretty much my favourite band ever, I reckon. Um, and it was like a religious experience and, and the, it, it just sort of hammered home as to why I feel that strongly about Tool because I don't think any other band ever in the world ever would have had the balls to go, we're not going to have the video screens, we're going to use them for our own thing and to, to play like three or four songs from an album that people hadn't heard yet that mm-hmm. you've been waiting 13 years for and to not really address the crowd and there's nothing really like that it's not really about the individual parts of tool and it's not even really about them as a band it's it's about this kind of weird psychedelic religious experience that they kind of provoke in people and i could just like feel my legs going and my bottom lip going like throughout so much of that set it was really good it was really good and the fact that they didn't need any big production like pyro or anything and Mm. It was, I think it was one of those really weird things where it was like, especially for like the way that you described it as well, if you'd seen it, it was, this sounds a bit wanky, but it's like, you could have your own individual experience as well as having a collective experience. I don't know. It was just very like, there's a lot of room in that set 
for you to sort of take it all in you know it wasn't like you're being bombarded with stimuli the whole time you could just kind of sit back and absorb it all yeah i think it's a it's a super brave thing for a band to do and they sounded amazing at a festival with all that kind of stuff swirling around uh, the wind and you know and the outdoor acoustics which can be really really um fragile and getting those kind of nuances in their material to come out i thought was really amazing and yeah it's just like i i think bands when they when they play live especially in positions like that they get so so scared of we have to do something all the time we have to be engaging all the time we have to be like reaching out to that person right in the back all the time and tool kind of showed that you don't actually need to try and reach out to anybody if your music is good enough and if your music is engaging enough you can be as insular like on stage as anything and just you know it didn't feel like the set at a, at the set that you would watch at a heavy metal quote unquote heavy metal festival they're just so different to that and there's not really any other band that i can think of that could do that I and mean, certainly not on that scale i was going to say someone like neurosis or mogwai but even they on that scale i don't think they could no so right. yeah, yeah. that's good <laughs> yeah no no but it's you know it's true there's been some like some of my very very favorite download memories have come in the last couple of years so we're definitely going to miss it this weekend but um you know join us if you're listening join us and like tune in and uh, i'm sure we'll all be tweeting about it and chatting about it as it all unfolds on download tv um so i'm sure we'll still have some fun it's going to be good uh let's do the album of the week which has basically come and is a big reason some would say the main reason he's on the podcast this week come on uh, has come of courtesy of Mr. Stephen Hill. Um, so this is an artist who neither Elle nor I had literally heard of two days ago. Um, and then uh, Steve messaged me saying, have you heard of this artist, Backwash? Um, and I said, no, not really. And, th- and what was really interesting is that um, even though Steve, obviously you knew kind of where it was fitting sonically, you kind of said it was like a hip, kind of a hip hop thing. So I didn't even really think of it in terms of being something that would be relevant to Metal Hammer. But you mentioned that they're kind of, I don't know, you, you tell the story of how you heard these guys and, well, her. So to go back, so Backwash is a trans rapper from Quebec in Canada. Um, and she has three albums out at this point. Um, this album is called Leave God Out of It. Uh, it has nothing to do with him, I believe. Yeah, sorry. God has nothing to do with it, to do with this. Leave him out of it is what the record is called. And um, <clears throat> basically, towards the end of last year, uh, I, to sort of where I got it from, I actually got a shout out another Metal Hammer writer, Rich Hobson, who put me on to a band called More Mother or an artist called More Mother, who's another hip hop artist who's really, really good, really quite dark, almost like a kind of hip hop version of Lingua Ignota, like very, very difficult and quite challenging. Um, And um, I was just sort of scrolling through my Apple Music the other day and it was like, because I've been playing that album quite a lot on Apple Music, I had a thing that just said, because you like More Mother and this record came up. So I put it on. And the first track, which is the um, which is the title track, the hook from it is the "Oh please God no" that Ozzy does on Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, Black Sabbath, and it even throws in the riff from Black Sabbath, um, 
mm. the song towards and the way it comes in at the end is so because like you you know you, you kind of think the vocal line is cool enough it's like oh that's really cool and then where it just kind of comes in in this really weird kind of fucked up way at the end it's just yeah. so cool yeah and um there are a lot of there are a lot of things taken from rock and metal on this record it's kind of a mixture of i think punk and hip-hop and exper- experimental hip-hop and electronic music and um uh and, and industrial as well and it's this big kind of meld of sounds and so much gets done it's a 10 track 22 minute long record but she gets so much done and she goes through so much in that 22 minute time period. There's also when the levee breaks, I think by Led Zeppelin, I think that drum yeah, part I thought that as well. into the void by nine inch nails, not this black Sabbath song. The nine inch nails song is also in the song into the void. I, think it's a, I thought it was reptile. Oh yeah. Maybe. Yeah, sorry. Maybe yeah. I'm thinking into the void because it's called into the void. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're right actually. Um, and, but anyway, yeah, there's, there's plenty of kind of touch points for metal fans. that I think is, that, that, that are relevant um but death i heard it a bit as well in spells there's what sorry a bit of deft tones in the song spells is it yeah no it, her vocals sound a bit chinery oh right okay like uh, it's a bit like um yeah just the way that like deft tones kind of sing she sings in a kind of very like um i don't know sort of in a more ethereal way just really remind me of deft tones yeah, yeah I, think I think that's fair. I mean, it, it, it's got quite a kind of, sat- there's a very satanic feel to it as well, which is obviously very metal. It's very, very dark. Um, at points, I mean, it doesn't really sound like this, but at points, the kind of, the feeling of it is not that far away from something like Zelenada. Mm. You know how Zelenada evoked that kind of sort of mystic, mm. spiritual, satanic, ritualistic, ideas that there's quite a bit of that feeling if not with it being sort of sonically similar there's quite a lot of that overall feeling surrounding the record Mm. and i just think it's very very interesting i I think it's fascinating and you know it's one of those things where um you know we all listen to different types and levels of hip-hop but it, I just, I just, I didn't, I just was totally taken aback by it because even with Steve saying, "Oh yeah, it samples a bit of Sabbath and stuff," you know, I, there's other artists that sample. Um, there's quite a lot of artists that sample rock music, like you know, get sampled Gahid in Cambria once, just totally randomly, but it didn't make, it didn't suddenly make Getz a rock artist or anything like that. But there's just something about the overall vibe of this record that really speaks to me as a rock fan, as a fan of cutting edge, heavy, abrasive, interesting, alternative music. Um, uh, there's some bits on here as well that kind of slightly sonically, but more again in that kind of ethereal kind of like weird vibe of bands like Health and all those kind of noise rock, electronic-y kind of artists as well. There's a lot of that on here. Um, and what's mad is that we've talked about all these different elements to it and it's only 22 minutes long. <laughs> like it just kind of comes and goes before you even really realize what's going on. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's rammed with stuff. You know, like, cause I was, when I first put it on and you'd mentioned to me about the Black Sabbath thing and I was like, oh, I can hear Night Nails. I can hear like 
Saul Williams, who toured with Nine Inch Nails back in the day. I could hear him and I could hear a bit of um, Scar Lord just in like yeah. the, the style and the fact that it is on the bit on the hip hop side of things. But yeah, the more kind of like, like scratchy trap kind of elements of it. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. But um, even though it's got all of these things in, it feels really, really strong. It doesn't feel like some music where you listen to it in 2020 and it's like tiny little bits of songs before it switches because people's attention spans aren't going to last it doesn't feel like that each song feels like its own thing and it feels like every song is kind of very hard hitting it doesn't feel like it's you know Mm. it's it's really interesting absolutely if you go back to kind of some of her older stuff as well i went straight into the last thing she put out which was an album called deviancy last year i mean again it's only 20 minutes long um, and there was loads more stuff on there. I mean, there's a track on there called Devil in a Mosh Pit and things like that. And that had, that had some more kind of almost Kendrick Lamar kind of vibes around some of the songs. So she's really like going into a lot of different realms here. But um, it's the most, honestly, it's the most exciting thing. And, and obviously, we're not really going to talk a lot about the Run the Jewels album because that is a hip hop record. But um, I really didn't think I would be sat here gassing about an album so enthusiastically that wasn't run the jewels because that run the jewels album was, i was just like ah when that came out and then literally a few days later i know steve pointed this out to me and now i can't stop listening to this it's just it's fucking great it's yeah fucking great. i should say as well that this isn't one that's coming out this weekend um last week i think i think it came out oh is that was it that recent yeah i think so two weeks oh, ago. cool um i didn't even realize that actually but yeah we just wanted to do it because it's such an interesting uh interesting thing well i think the thing the other thing that we haven't even touched on at all is the kind of the the lyrical um journey that it takes you on as well like i mentioned a lot of kind of satanic stuff and there's a song called black magic and that hook like i fuck with black magic like is is really like is very abrasive and very you know if you're thinking like modern hip-hop is you know, quite that, that kind of mumble rap thing where they're all sort of a little, they sort of sit a bit behind the track and it's all a bit kind of lackadaisical and that doesn't appear to uh, appeal to you as a sort of rock and metal fan. This is a very kind of aggressively spat out um, flow that she has. And there's stuff like, I mean, it straddles this line, I think, between sort of emotional, confessional, personal lyrical stuff with that kind of really dark satanic imagery and the kind of the quite cool the sort of thuggish street strut of the sort of classic hip-hop i mean mo when we were talking about before you mentioned eminem um yeah there's one track on here where um just her delivery has that kind of like like really angry and stressing at the end of your sentence kind of delivery that really reminded me of Eminem. And I thought that was, it's just like one tiny element, but again, it's one of a million elements. Like every time I listen to this, there's something else that, that comes out, you know, I can't remember which track it is that, um, that sounds like that, but it's only 22 minutes. You can find it if you go listen to it. It's 22 minutes. <laughs> I mean, it's stuff like, you know, there's, there's a song called Black Sheep, which I think is amazing. It's two minutes long and expresses so much kind of ire. It's basically about, I think her transitioning and her family, not, sort of being accepting of her doing that and i mean some i've I've written some of the lyrics down it says um i think you're mad because you lost control you want me to fall in line with the x and o's it's been years since i talked to grammy and i think it's pretty sad how i lost the family and it's it goes through like 
her kind of anger and upset at like her family's reaction to her transitioning and then these kind of suicidal thoughts she has and then at the end it's just she sort of says but if it all happened again i've done the same thing and it's really fucking powerful and the final track um redemption's got a real kind of delta blues feel to it and talks about her family losing a son but gaining a daughter and all that stuff is like like i say that kind of confessional Mm. um narrative that goes that this this in 22 minutes i think this takes you on a quite an unbelievable journey musically emotionally sonically like in every way it really takes you on a pretty incredible ride well she she sounds like she's been through so much i mean you mentioned earlier that she um lives in canada but she in an interview said that she grew up in zambia and she lived there for 17 years Mm. and he went to Canada to go to school and do computer science um but she talks a bit in that interview as well about how um she was part of a certain tribe that had spiritual practices that some people would class as witchcraft um and obviously she went over to Canada and like you said she's been through all the stuff with the transition and there's so much in there that's so personal and when she's delivering the lyrics it really takes your breath away doesn't it like it really like you feel really sort of taken aback by it because it's so personal and it's such a, you know, there's so much going on. Definitely. And, and yeah, and all delivered within such a short amount of time and in such a kind of heavy and interesting way. Um, yeah, just a fantastic and fascinating artist. So thank you, Steve, for drawing her to our attention. That's all right. I mean, um, it's a weird one, because I mean, we can't really sit here and go, like when people think of rap metal, this isn't, you know, this isn't Radiance Machine or Downset or no. you know, or anything like that. And it's maybe not even really, I mean, it's certainly not metal in its traditional form. Definitely not. But I think if, you know, if, if, if we as a, as Metal Hammer collectively are saying that we're going to cover stuff like Scarlord mm-hmm. or, um, uh or who else have been well like? even but even it doesn't even have to be kind of in that kind of more trap metal realm like even stuff like nine inch nails and uh, like stuff that's more on the industrial side like people can people can make an argument that that stuff's not metal if they want do you know what i mean like but sonically and i think really importantly as well spiritually this feels like it it, it belongs in our world um and i'm not saying that's trying to justify it you know we'll fucking talk about whatever we want here but um like sometimes you hear stuff and you know like trap music has a lot of really good aggressive cutting edge artists in it but it's quite rare where i listen to it and think you know i could probably play this to pretty much any one of my friends who likes something heavy and find them a little bit of it to go hey yeah you'll like this bit and Mm. i generally think that's on here but as i said it's not like all these little components just flying around all over the place it all part it's all just fits so seamlessly and it's such a kind of uh succinct fashion um yeah it's a killer record it's very recently out uh, take out saul williams like why can't more bands in our world take out different kinds of artists you know yeah, it doesn't, doesn't always have to be metal 100 percent of the time but definitely this is like lyrically and musically heavy when i heard it i was like immediately like this feels like it fits in our world it just does i mean and it just makes our scene more interesting doesn't it yeah. To have people like, you know, if, if you're going to complain that, oh, well, that's not what metal is. This isn't anything to do with metal. This is a trap. But it's like, well, you know, then we'd still be all listening to bloody 
skiffle or something if nothing is ever about to change or <laughs> it's a skiffle <laughs> well i'm going as far back as i can do you know what i mean like yeah this has got if if all kind of metal is born from the blues i mean this is a basically at its core you know a, a very very heavy blues record and that's what metal is and i think it just makes these stories and these sounds just including them in our scene just makes our scene stronger and more interesting and more varied and more vibrant and i i am more than happy to be like yeah embrace this artist because yeah Fucking there have been something around when i was a teenager about struggling with the church that would have been good i would have appreciated that yeah totally yeah i mean there's loads of stuff here that people can uh, identify with and, and some stuff as well that you know she's a she's a kind of voice that we don't have enough of in uh in mail certainly from the perspective that you talked about about what it's like to transition and being accepted and you know it's a really unique perspective that we need more of um so yeah once once touring's back someone bring backwash to the uk um but in the meantime go and check out the album it's called god has nothing to do with this leave him out of it uh by backwash and i should say backwash is spelled um with an x in the middle because why not why not <laughs> make it that bit more metal and cool and weird yeah uh, so yeah that is this week's album of the week. Um, if we'd had the podcast out last week, we probably would have talked about the 156 Silence album, which is really, really good as well. That came out last week. It's called Irrational Pull. Um, more exciting, heavy, violent, urgent, hardcore music from Pittsburgh, the home of Code Orange. Uh, so go check out that 156 Silence album out as well. Um, and there's a new Aversions Crown out album. Uh, Aversions Crown album out on Friday. Uh, Hell will come for us all. So if you like your meaty deathcore, um, you're going to be want to get in all over that. Um, Eleanor Goodman, would you like to read the first question from this week's questions uh, from facebook.com slash readers? Sure. Brave New Worlds by Iron Maiden turns 20 today. This was the first Maiden record that I listened to and was hooked for life. The triple guitar attack, <laughs> triple guitar attack and the return of Bruce. What a start to the next century. Where does this rank for you in the post-2000 works? And that's from Vivek Pawa. Well, I feel like I should handle this one, guys. <laughs> yeah. No. I've, I've never listened to it, so I don't know. It's good. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it might be my favourite Maiden album. It's always between that and Seven Sun. I'm never quite sure. Um, I obviously feel a bit more warmly to Brave New World because I think like a lot of people, to be honest, um, it was my first time Maiden album. So obviously there was a lot of fanfare for them with Bruce and Adrian coming back. Um, I think it is, I think a lot of people might make an argument for a matter of life and death. I know a lot of people really love that record as well. And I think that's a fantastic album, but for me, Brave New World is unquestionably the best 21st century I've made an album. Unquestionably. I could, um, make arguments for where the rest of the ranking would be after that. But yeah, Brave New World, best made an album in the last 20 years, best made an album of the last 30 two years would be my argument so, i think a matter of life and death is is good actually yeah it's 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 funny you say that because i know a few people that aren't even big maiden fans that quite enjoy that album i think there's something quite raw about a lot of it that people like um i should i should really listen to brave new world i think well i will be at some point soon i think merlin you're gonna do a little brave new world chat with me one day aren't you yeah i am baby i like blood brothers yeah that's a tune Oh, what song? What a great band. Uh, David Connell asks, obviously we all rave about great albums. Yes, we do. Uh, but what are some of your favourite EPs or even standalone singles? 
Dog's Blood by Alexis on Fire was great, along with this year's Sugar Horse EP and Be Nice or Go Away by Milk Tea. That's some great uh, modern uh, shout-outs there by David. It's cool that he's, oh. he's repping for Sugar Horse. Sugar Horse out, uh, EP is fucking amazing. That is a brilliant EP. You have to yeah, you've thought about that. I've about that, but I've not heard it yet because I'm a terrible human. Oh my God, Eleanor is absolutely 100% up your alley. Is it? Yeah. That's what he said. He's like, you're going to love this. He literally oh. texted me yesterday and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll listen to it. And then I just got caught up in something else. You will bloody love it. It's really good. It's just like real kind of heavy shit mixed with The Cure. Oh, well. What like full-blown... Um, gothy sort of post-punk massive like 80s goth Lost Boys vibes mixed with just it really sounds like the best thing ever I want to listen to it now it's 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 brilliant they're my favourite new band do you know you were talking about Holy Form before they got a bit of Holy Form about them yeah but but a lot heavier. So yes, I re- I absolutely rep for Sugar Horse. I think they're fucking excellent. Well, you can't just nick yeah, David's suggestion. You no, have no, to I'm not going to say what a good suggestion. I've got some other ones. Um, I got a couple. Um, Burnt by the Sun by Burnt by the Sun is like four track EP. It's about six minutes long. It's the best six minutes of just grindcore loveliness that you will ever hear. Um, but the best one, the best EP is the Dillinger Escape Plan featuring Mike Patton's Irony for a Dead Scene EP, which is as good as anything Dillinger have ever put out, I reckon. It's fucking amazing. Mike Patton and Dillinger? What kind of saddo wouldn't like that? Someone just looked into the future and said, one day there'll be a man called Steve Hill and he'll really like this. Well, they were right. Congrats, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, Nostradamus. (laughs) Uh, I went for Telemark by Isan just because um, it's good and I went to Telemark to speak to Isan about it and find out where it came from which you can read at metalhammer.com and then I went for I never know is it Wardruna or Vordruna I always used sounds... to say I used to say Wardruna but Jonathan says Vordruna sounds more cool the second way so I just go with that okay Wardruna. <laughs> or, or neither. Wardruna <laughs> or Vordruna? Um, Wardruna. Uh... <laughs> I've seen them a few times and I, never, I didn't think until today that I was saying it wrong and then I suddenly started overthinking it. But they've had two singles out this year. Um, Gra and Lifshaberg. And they've got amazing videos as well. Like one with a wolf and one filmed in the mountains and um, they postponed their album coming out but those songs are really cool lovely choices i can think of some i mean is jar of jar of flies is an ep so i can't yeah, sort of yeah it's like a mini album okay so if that counts then jar of flies is probably my fave evs oh, i thought you had to talk about this year's no oh my, i was going for 2020 i don't think well, so I was say, you, you picked some very contemporary things yeah i thought it was for this year no, but that's good that you did. I mean, mine are, mine are, well, one of mine isn't that contemporary, it's nearly 10 years old now, but for some reason, two that came to mind that I still play a lot is um, Blood Command's uh, Hand Us the Alpha Male EP. It's the first thing I ever heard by them, and it is brilliant, especially yeah. the title track, so good. And um, uh, the Zion EP by Crossfaith, or Zion uh, EP by Crossfaith, which is still the best thing that band's ever done, and I still listen to it like 
all the fucking time. <laughs> like, you say it's the best thing they've ever done. It's up against some um, pretty lukewarm competition, to be fair. Yeah, no, they've never, they've never come. They've done some like decent stuff scattered here and there, but they've, yeah, they've never come close to to matching that first EP because it is so good. I think I've on this whole question. Now I'm trying to think of EPs. Well, you, that's all right. You gave some good modern answers. But, uh, <laughs> the weird thing is about Zion is that it actually, those songs to me sound newer now, seven years later, than a lot of the stuff they've released since does, which I think yeah. is quite telling of yeah. how uh, on the money it was for that, that first thing. I, I, could, I could go through loads of really obscure, like late 90s, early noughties, hardcore self-released EPs right now. If if you want me to do that to stall for time, and I don't know why you think of some because there are plenty, but people will just go, well, that's not on any streaming services. You can't buy it, and I've never heard of that band, so I don't no, have really my twenty twenty choices. Okay, fine. That's what I've enjoyed this year. Right. Good. I think that's good. Stephen, would you like to read out the next question? I bloody would. Merle, you've mentioned you run, stroke, go to the gym. <laughs> uh, and it wasn't, Why are you laughing at that? Well, because you don't anymore, do you? You don't go to the gym anymore. No, I don't, no. Because none of us can. Um, but I know Merlin usually wakes me up by going, morning boy, just been doing Joe Wicks. So I know you like a bit of that. <laughs> <laughs> Every day for the rest of my life. Um, you mentioned you run straight, go to the gym. And wasn't it mentioned before that Eleanor is a ninja? <laughs> it's fucking hell. Where, what, I missed that week. Stroke martial artist. What are your workout play your working out playlists? That's from Andy Paul. Well, uh, obviously we can all answer this because I know we do all exercise in different ways. Steve's um, used to be a gym machine. Obviously he can't be now, so you're smashing the bike at the moment, aren't you? The old exercise bike. Bought an exercise bike for lockdown. Yeah, been using that. Um, also bought a kettlebell and two, um, uh, like what? Oh my god, what are they called? Dumbbells. Dumbbells, that's what they're called, yeah. I bought a couple of dumbbells as well. So I do use them in the morning when, when I can be bothered, uh, which hasn't been as much as I would like recently. But I usually just put on my sort of Spotify daily mix of whatever the heavy, because I've got like, you know, you get like a daily mix every day, don't you? Yeah. And mine uh, sort of split into the really heavy stuff, loads of sort of ridiculous 90s Britpop and like Babylon Zoo and stuff like that. Um, loads of 80s pop music and then stuff like Pink Floyd and the Eagles that's what I get every day um, so I just put on the metal one and have like At The Gates stuff like At The Gates and Slayer and Entombed are really really good to sort of work out to because you can grit your teeth super hard and especially if you're doing weights I think like hate breathing and stuff is really good but if I'm cycling I usually listen to a podcast Usually listen to you two banging on. Oh, that's nice, Steve, when you're having a cycle. Yeah. Now that I know that, once randomly, like every 10 minutes on the podcast, I'm just going to be like, yeah, and so that sounds quite, keep going, Steve, don't stop. And uh, <laughs> yeah, this is quite a good thing that we're doing. Yeah. Don't you give up. Thanks, mate. Lazy. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's my answer. Cool. L, uh, who uh, is a master ninja and uh, empress <laughs> of Tai Chi. I've got like a few different playlists for different things. So every morning I do um, Qigong, which is like a sort of moving meditation part of Tai Chi. And um, there's like a live stream class, but afterwards sometimes I just do some by myself. 
and I really like high lung for that um, because they're kind of, uh, yeah, sort of can help with that sort of meditative state type thing. It's very kind of, um, I don't know, it just sound, it's just kind of earthy and light a bit folkloric. And then I also like uh, Merka's Folk Sange from this year as well, which is another really nice one to do Qigong to. It's just got really nice like rhythms and her vocals are good. And on both of them, I think because it's like, you're not focusing on someone saying English words, you can kind of get lost in them a bit more. But that's, that's more of like a meditative type movement. And then I do uh, Tai Chi with a fan, which is technically a weapon. And I like a bit of deft tones for that. There's a sequence that I'm learning, which is really nice to do to Phantom Bride. And then with my saber, that's a bit more like energetic. And we often do it in class very slowly to nothing else matters, which is really nice. But I also really like doing it to alien weaponry because they've got some more kind of like chanty bits and um, like sort of tribal sounds. And I also like doing it to King 810 because you can just, it's just quite good. Like if you think about King 810 and sort of all the songs about guns and you've got like a big saber in your hands and you kind of just like have a little practice that can get you in the zone. That's going to uh, get me nice and meditative. David Gunn going bang, bang, bang in my head. <laughs> yeah, but a, sab- a saber is not meditative. A saber is, you know, you're defending and attacking with a saber. So it's, it's more... Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great impression of King 810. Thanks. <laughs> the Alpha, Alpha and Omega I really like when I'm practicing with my saber. You know I got this gun. <laughs> you know I got this gun, don't you? Stop making it from the West Country. No, it's a from League of Gentlemen. League of Gentlemen. Yeah, I got this gun. <laughs> That's what King Eight One Two were. All right. What are you talking about? Have you seen the League of Gentlemen? Yeah. There's a character in it who, I can't remember what the context is now, but he keeps putting yeah. out a gun at me and like, you know, I've got this gun, don't you? He's like, gun out. Whenever they get in an argument, like someone doesn't get his joke, he'll end up getting upset and then he'll pull the gun out. That's basically King 810's entire career, <laughs> isn't it? I really like King 810. I love King 810, which is why I can lovingly mock them. <laughs> yeah. Please don't tell David Gunn because he'd bench press me for a laugh. He would. He does martial arts too. Oh, so yeah, God. Alpha and Omega and uh, Partway Drive, some like absolute power, that's good for the Sabre as well. Nice. Yeah. Excellent choices. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, Steve mentioned the daily mixes, actually. I was just thinking uh, that that's always quite good at the gym. My daily mixes are banging today. I've got Slipknot on the cover of one, Ice Cube on the cover of my second one, Lady Gaga, Ghost, Prodigy and Dead Mouse on the covers of the rest. Come on. Let's see what my taste is amazing, mate. Let's see what mine is. Um, but yeah, I do well in the normal world. Yeah. I go to the gym and I do running, but at the moment I'm doing, I am doing Joe Wicks. I've got resistance bands and pull-up straps, and I've just got courtesy of uh, Adam Sagir from the Noise Cartel, who recommended this to me. I'm going to actually show you this. What I just bought. This isn't quite as interesting for people listening. Sorry, but I'm going to find it. Hold on. Come on, Steve. Fill some dead air. Oh yeah. So my daily mixes. Um, my daily mixes. I've got. Blood Brothers, Jimmy Eat World, The Chemical Brothers, Earth Tone Nine, Trivium, and U2. 
What is Merlin putting on? Right, for people who obviously can't see this, which is everyone apart from me and Steve, it's a black headband that appears to have Velcro on either end that you then place around your head, Velcro behind yourself. There's a string hanging off the headband and on the end of the string is a red ball about the size of a tennis ball. Merlin is wearing a headband with a ball and string attached to it. Mate, I don't think that, I think you've been ripped off there. You just look like a fucking... What do you do? Is it, it looks like a cat toy for so This is like, yeah, it's basically like, you know, like that thing where you, uh, you, you like tie a carrot to a horse's head and then it just follows it to kind of go along. It's like that, but with a ball on the end. So the idea is it's a boxing ball. This is recommended to me by Adam Zagir, who is like well into fitness and that. So, um, and uh, apparently it's supposed to sort out your boxing reflexes. So you just punch it and then you just keep punching it really lightly like this. Oh God, I haven't actually done this yet. Can't do it. Wow, this is terrible. This is the worst thing I've ever seen. No. This, this might be bad. the shittiest bit of podcasting that anyone's ever done. This is awful. Why, why are we doing this? Oh man, my coordination is so shit. Somebody do the next question. Somebody do oh, the, Steve, do the next question. Bit. Surely this is going to get edited out. Do Surely. the next question, Steve. Right, um, anyway. No, wait, I haven't done my answers yet. Lifting weights. Answers, yeah. That is murder for lifting weights, by the way. I um, yeah, I do metal for lifting weights um, and um, either, either dance compilations or podcasts for running. I do find podcasts are really good because it takes your mind off what you're doing. And then before you know it, you've just racked up some miles. And mm. A bit like what just happened there. It takes your mind off the fact that you're actually doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going strap that was awful. <laughs> Look, man, I'm going to get amazing at it and I'm going to post a video of me absolutely smashing it in a few weeks' time and then you'll be envious of me. Mm. Um, Alistair Belling says, if you could see any band do a record in full tomorrow, what would it be? One band. I'm going to say Deftones White Pony because we were just talking earlier about how it's 20 years of White Pony very soon. And oh, so that's yeah. mine and I love that I record. We should put something special together to commemorate that. Do you think we should? I think we should. We should release it in a couple of weeks' time. Maybe, yeah. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Maybe we should. We could Ba-ba-ba. do that. Good choice, Woodwatch. Steve? Um, oh, God. I don't really... I mean, can I just... I don't really like the lack of spontaneity that you get from album shows. Yeah. So that's not a question, but I'm not really a massive fan of album shows in full. Um broadly i don't think they're that good to be honest i think it depends how people play it i've seen album shows where it's literally like i feel like i'm sitting in my house and listening to the album and i've seen album shows where i'm like this is cool yeah i just think because you know what's coming and stuff it it takes away a bit of the like oh my god they're playing that and not many albums are i mean we spoke about the corn the other week and we were like the first corn album's a classic but is every single song worth not really um so i would but i would pick fucking hell i tell you what you want to pick something they don't normally do i'd like to see metallica do loading full oh fuck yeah that you know what that is actually what i would watch tomorrow if i could watch anything because Mm. i've seen them play so few songs off that record um or something totally ridiculous like garaging which i've talked about before i'd love to see them do that but yeah loathe would be i mean the best thing i have ever seen Metallica do live was seeing them do Outlaw Tour last year with an orchestra. Like, yeah. just incredible. And Bleeding Me is probably in my top three Metallica songs ever. Just love it. Great I mean, shout. I'm pretty lucky that I saw them back in the day when that came out and um, 
they were playing Ain't My Bitch and King Nothing and, you know, Hero of the Day and all that stuff. They were playing it then, but they seem to have dropped pretty much all of it at this point. Like, they never really seem to play anything from it. And I know there might be people who are screaming at the moment, like, it's shit, it's rubbish. Nah, fuck off. Loads great. Loads of great albums. Yeah, I've only ever seen them play... God, I actually think... Oh, I've seen them play King Nothing. They played King Nothing at Reading a couple of years back, and I've seen them play Outlaw Tour, and that's it. Only songs I've seen them play off what is a great album. Yeah. God damn. Right, should we do one more question, L? Oh, of course you get this one. It's like a fucking L. Look at that. Jan Ryland asks, with lockdown regulations slowly easing, I would like to know, what is the most metal flavour of ice cream? Blood. You know, in the zoo, they do feed lions blood ice cubes to keep them cool. I did know that. That's cool. Yeah. So that's the answer. (laughs) (laughs) I've said before, like, charcoal is probably the most metal just because it's black, but I haven't actually had one. I really need to have Charcoal? You can get activated charcoal. It's like a Why would anyone eat that? I don't know. I've not had it. That is literally the kind of thing where if you catch your kid eating that, you think, oh, no. There's that, and there's like a licorice one. You can get black ice cream. I think some of it's charcoal, some of it's licorice, but I haven't had That's it. That's not a, a charcoal. You don't eat charcoal anyway. It's, like, it's not a flavour of something. <laughs> yeah. I think charcoal's a thing. Don't have a go at me. I'm just reporting what I've no, seen. No, I'm just. I'm just a, that's bizarre. My I mean, favourite. My favourite flavour ice cream is poo. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> the most metal type of ice cream is just a load of melted down Black Sabbath records, frozen and then turned into ice cream. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> yeah, mm, yummy. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying that's what it looks like by sight. I'm not saying that's like the best flavour or anything. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. Why is it always got to be? It's always something's got to be metal with you, lot, isn't it? Why can't? Oh, yeah. <laughs> why? Why can't you just have this ice cream? Well, not with ice cream. You don't have to. I'm not eating that. Unless last, the last thing I did before lockdown was go out for ice cream to the local ice cream shop. It was like say, hello, and I was having ice cream, and I was like, I'm enjoying this. I didn't realize that would be the last time. Did you say hello? I am a known metalhead. Can you please give me not the flavor that I like, but the flavor that is most representative of the type of music yeah. that I listen? They to. just took a strawberry cone and just ran it in some gravel and gave it to you. <laughs> <laughs> I've not done the thing here. I don't know why you're having a go at me. No, I was having a go at you. We're joking. I actually did say there a few weeks back that I was going to make ice cream with my Ramstein rum and I've not done it yet. I've got the cream mm. in the fridge, so I need to make that. Because I did really say that I was going to make it, I need to and post a picture of it, so I still need to do that. Well, so Ramstein rum flavoured ice cream would be very metal. Yeah, mm. I just fucking love everything with chocolate in it. I don't know if that's metal or not, but I just love everything with chocolate. Chocolate's metal. Yeah. I tell you what, this isn't very metal either, but fuck it, since we've gone off on one. Um, I, uh, I, <laughs> I found a a petrol station that had Easter eggs in the other day, still selling Easter eggs. I was like, oh, beauty. When this when lockdown happened, I was on Easter egg a day for like two I months. actually remember that. God, that makes me realise how long lockdown's been happening. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah. I ice cream shop to open up so that I can go back. It's really cool. Because it yeah. stays really late. It stays open till like 10pm. So you can just, and it's about a 15 minute walk from my house. So I can literally just go there and, Get ice cream at night time. Well, well, 
this i guess i guess there's no good answer to this question because <laughs> they're right. quite legitimate l actually had quite a legitimate answer for it and we just laughed it out of the yeah with lockdown easing my most metal flavor of ice cream is going to be whatever flavor i can have when my local ice cream shop opens there you go yeah I'm, I'll, I'll report Love. back on it when i've had it when i've been to the shop whenever. please please do yeah you'll enjoy the it. podcast uh, <laughs> Thanks, guys. That's it for this week's show. Um, three of us having a laugh. Maybe we should do another Hall of Fame soon. What do you reckon? Yeah. I'll come back and bully Eleanor some more about her ice cream. All right, that Hall of Fame. Yeah, big time. Um, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Is it just like being, I don't know. What? I don't know. <laughs> Talking to each other every morning. Yeah. It's because we're right. friends. Sorry. <laughs> you've got our numbers Eleanor you can be more than happy to accept a voice note from I'm going to start texting you in the morning also I was going to say I literally talk to you every day oh. <laughs> oh yeah that's true and also sometimes we do text in the morning yeah. or the evening before exactly. after work <laughs> exactly so we're all friends here good that's it for this week's show um, see you at download everybody even if it'll be from the comfort of our own homes but we'll be watching so watch with us Tweet us what you're enjoying and we'll all enjoy it and uh, raise a toast to our much-missed lovely festival. Uh, we'll be back next week. In the meantime, stay safe out there. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. See you, mates.